You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Friday and welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about all things Indiana Pacers. As always, I'm one of the lovely hosts of the show, Tony East, covering the Pacers for Forbes and the West Indianapolis Community News and the Fieldhouse and pretty much everywhere these days. Uh, Today, big stuff, two games for the Pacers this weekend, finally, as they had a break over the holiday week, which actually was pretty nice for a lot of fans, I'm sure. Uh, Two games back-to-back tonight, they've got uh, Miami in Miami, which uh, could be an important game for playoff seeding implications and seeing how the Pacers fare against could be their first round opponent uh, depending on how things go and then tomorrow night they're in New Orleans against the Pelicans who uh, aren't particularly good in terms of record this year but they've won three of their last four and they're figuring stuff out getting some health back uh, specifically with Derek Favors we'll talk about that Uh, but first I had to talk about something else because I like to do three segments and I thought about defending Jeremy Lamb's honor because Adam keeps doing podcasts talking about problems with Jeremy Lamb. And I lo- I think Jeremy Lamb is good, and I don't get what, what the problem with Jeremy Lamb would be. But I digress. I have decided to shift gears there and talk about Edmund Sumner to start today, today because we've been blessed uh, to see Sumner in the rotation a little bit recently. Not for the right reasons. You know, uh, he came back for that game against New York, but then uh, was inactive and then... They played the Clippers, and he got to play at the end because they got just blown out to holy hell and had two nice assists but didn't really do anything. And then the same thing with Charlotte, only played because they blew him out. So finally, uh, these three games leading up to this week off, we got to see Sumner in the rotation thanks to injuries to Lamb. Uh, and then Lamb comes back, and Brogdon was out. And that's why Sumner played against Toronto. And I was intrigued by Sumner getting these these minutes because... Not that he didn't know he is the guard who should play. It's not intrigue like they should have picked someone else. It's just intrigue of like how is he going to go about this? What's his mentality going to be? And how are the Pacers going to use him? Because early in the season, he he was the two guard alongside another point guard. And that's kind of still the case here. Um, but he had like ball handling responsibilities right next to Aaron Holiday. If Holiday was in the game early in the season, he was shooting and they kind of gave Ed some initiating responsibilities or he'd be with McConnell but the same story he had some initiating responsibilities well now that that Aaron has kind of figured out how to distribute better uh and TJ McConnell obviously has shown what his impact on the bench is I kind of was curious if they would allow Ed to, to handle the ball as much or not as much and how how they would go about you know having him out there and they did change it and I think that's interesting but I think Ed deserves a lot of credit so I mean, I, I can see if you're Sumner wanting to go out there and saying, remember how good I was? You know, look what I can do. And then every time he gets a touch, he forces something or tries to do too much or something like that. And he wasn't completely relegated to the corner, but he was stuck there quite a bit. You know, he took uh, 12 shots in these games, seven of them were threes. And you don't think of Edmund Sumner as a guy who's taking over half of his attempts uh, from deep. So that was that, that was interesting to me that they did that. But I do want to give start by giving Sumner a lot of credit and saying, you know, I'm, I'm glad that he didn't come in and try to force it and just said, okay, look, I'm a good defender, I'm a good player, but this is just not my time right now. I'm just gonna show that I can help a team win. And he did that. You know, he was he helped the he outs he actually this is crazy. He played for 19 minutes against the Bucks, and the Pacers actually outscored the Bucks by two in those 
minutes. They lost that game by almost 30. Um, so he showed that, you know, he can impact winning basketball even with a very tiny offensive role, which is good, you know, because he started off this stint um, in it, playing for the Mad Ants for a game. He, again, it's the G League, but he played 27 minutes in that game, played really well. Uh, he had 17 points, five rebounds, three assists, and and I talked to him about um, that game. And, you know, when he went down there, I think he was with um, Jakar and Alize. I don't remember. They've sent so many guys down. But, it, you know, it was cool for him personally, he said, to like, it was helpful to be playing with those guys, just a little bit more sense of familiarity. And even if it's a rehab assignment, you know, playing with better players will help you uh, both getting better and, and be more comfortable out there. So that was good for him, and he played well there. Um, but again, same kind of deal. He's an initiator there. He gets the ball more, right? He had 17 points. He took 10 shots in 27 minutes. Uh, that's not the case with the Pacers. But he again, he deserves credit for doing what he did. But then finally, well, this is a lot of buildup. This game against Toronto... Uh, you'll recall he actually scored. He had a few nice plays off the bounce. He had six points. He hit two shots. And on two-pointers, I know this is, is bad, but he only took five twos, right? If I, Like I said earlier, he took seven of his threes. He only took five twos, except that math. Something isn't adding up. Oh, uh, yes. He took six twos. Bad math here. He had half of his twos. Um, so he did well when he drove to the basket. And against the Raptors, he he, uh, he hit one of those two. He, he played well in that game. When I talked to him, uh, that was his first game without a brace on his hand. And I think... That kind of went unnoticed, and he he you know made a point to say yeah it was, you know it's, it's obviously easier to play without a brace he's more comfortable and he did better in that game and I think unfortunately for him you know as the team goes forward right Brogdon's most likely going to be back against Miami Sumner did not have any setbacks he's going to be out of the rotation but I don't think it's a coincidence that you know he did fine in his relegated role but I don't think you know he finally gets his brace off and he shows a little more pop scoring the ball and, and having a good offensive game. Uh, maybe there's still something in there for him, but I, it's it's just, there's just no way you can play him now, and that that sucks for him and and how this has gone that he got injured at the worst possible time because he was finally clicking. But uh, I don't think you can put him over McConnell or Holiday, and especially when Vic is back, he'll be out. But uh, he deserves a lot of credit, I think, for a getting better with the hand brace off, and b just not forcing it. You know, being a member of the of the team and not being an individual and. And helping the team win. And I know Edmund Sumner segments are not sexy, but uh, we haven't gotten to cover him very much on the show because of his injury. And I finally got a chance to like actually talk to him, and he got a chance in the rotation. So he deserved to be highlighted. So good for Ed for, for helping the team win. Good for Edmund Sumner. I hope uh, good things come his way because, as, as many of you listeners know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of his game. But now we can talk some games that Edmund Sumner probably won't be playing in unless the Pacers get crushed or do the crushing. Uh, so let's start with the first game. Uh, let's take a little break here and talk about the Miami Heat. So as you all know, I normally like to get guests, of course, to talk about teams when they're played for the first time. Pacers have not played the Pelicans or Heat yet this year, but it was hard for me over the holidays to try to get people to do stuff. I felt you know, not great about that, and uh, because it was a back-to-back, it'd be a longer show. So I will be... Doing my own reconnaissance here. Uh, I promise we'll have a Heat guy and a Pelicans guy uh, later on. Uh, for for the record, it will probably be Nikias Duncan for the Heat at Nikias NBA and Mason Ginsburg at Mason Ginsburg for the Pelicans. Two great riders for those two teams. Anyway, but let's start with the Heat, who maybe aren't like the most surprising team in the NBA. I think that's a disservice to them because like the way they constructed their roster, they clearly could be good. But they're 22-8. They've been playing really well, and I think that's a surprise to some. 
who thought, you know, they just pretty much brought in Jimmy Butler for Josh Richardson and then kept most of the same guys. Is that a big enough of improvement over a 39-win team? Well, the answer is emphatically yes, because they've gotten a ton of internal improvement, uh, which is a big way to improve, especially when you're a team like Miami, who has such a good development staff. So like I've said on the show, and I did my All-Stars thing, Bam Adebayo has been incredible for them. He can rebound, distribute, and score. They have a big man who can do it all. Pacers fans know all about that with Sabonis. Uh, that's Bam is their Sabonis. Bam can bang inside. He can shoot a little bit too. In fact, he shoots uh, not from three, but like he can range out a little from the rim uh, fairly well. Uh, and he's just really good at everything. He can be a hub in the way that Sabonis is. Um, with you know, they do a lot of pitches. Miami does a lot of pitches and dribbling off and stuff like that. And he's been fantastic in that way. Uh, Kendrick Nunn, who. Uh, no team wanted because he has domestic violence charges. The Heat were the team that picked him up. Uh, he has been playing well for them. He's actually been able to score uh, pretty well, 16 points per game on pretty solid uh, scoring splits. Um, a lot of people think that those will come down just given the way he plays, but he's been really good for them. They've gotten a quality starting scoring point guard, another win for the Heat's uh, development staff, although he was good before. It's just no team wanted him for other reasons. Tyler Hero, of course, has been good as a rookie. Uh, I was very wrong about his ability to score. And then uh, Duncan Robinson, a guy they pulled off a two-way at the end of last year, has been shooting the ball ridiculously well. He's up to 45% from three on seven attempts a game. Uh, He just comes in off the bench and just chucks him. So they just uh, have developed a ton of guys that they've had in their system for a while into serviceable rotation players. And all of a sudden, instead of being the 39-win team they were last year, they have all these upgraded pieces that allows them to you know, bring Goran Dragic off the bench and have Kelly Olenek not play as much. and um, They're just better, and they're really good. And I think, like I t- talked with Adam earlier uh, on our weekly show, another thing that makes the Heat so dangerous is kind of like the Pacers. They, have this, they, you know, they obviously have the star with Jimmy, which gives them the, the edge in this contest. But they also have that balanced attack that makes the, you know, it seems like every game we, somewhere it gets talked about for this Indiana team. Oh, this number of guys scored in double figures, or this number of guys scored. You know, it's very rarely like, wow, T.J. Warren had thirty, or you know, whoever did amazing scoring and that and that carried them along. The Heat, despite having Jimmy, who's the star, averaging north of twenty points a game, he's been awesome. I don't want to belittle what he can do on offense, but they also have six other guys over ten points a game between Duncan Robinson, Dragic, Hero, Nunn. Uh, Justice Winslow doesn't play very often, but he's uh, over twelve points a game, and Bam Adebayo. They just they just get consistent scoring from everywhere. And then Kelly Olenek and Derek Jones are right there at a, about eight points a game. Those guys have been both good for them. So they just have a lot of weapons who can do a lot of damage. And uh, their offense is full of motions and little actions that Eric Spolster's got them doing that makes them good. So unlike a lot of teams around the East where I feel like the Pacers get their advantage against these top teams with uh, some bench minutes, you know, against Philly specifically. Saw that against the Raptors a little bit, but they were banged up. I feel like the Heat are deep, and that makes them uh, a tougher top-flight matchup for the Pacers. You know, Jimmy's going to do his thing. Um, he's not even shooting well from three this year, and he's still being, you know, he's still scoring well uh, for them. But the, he's a distributor now, six point six assists per game. You know, he can get everybody else involved, and that's what's going to make this a tough matchup for the Pacers. Like I said, uh, they they just can't dominate with their bench and hope that they can, you know, survive the. The Jimmy minutes, you know, even when Jimmy's out there, sometimes he'll be out there with like Tyler Hero, uh, Goran Dragic, Duncan Robinson, and Chris Silver, or something like that. And that lineup will work because 
they can get just enough from all those guys to make it happen. And it's and, you know the Pacers do it with more, not quite hockey sub situations, but uh, the Pacers go more full bench, whereas the Heat are a little more balanced in their rotation. I think uh, with that advantage neutralized, the Pacers have to uh, to win this game. They're going to have to do a good job against the Heat starting five. Uh, that that Butler, Adebayo, Kendrick Nunn, uh, Duncan Robinson, and Myers Leonard group, and Myers Leonard, who I just said for the first time, starts. But I think he um, he starts, and then once he's pulled for the half, he doesn't come back in for both halves. Uh, so he'll play a bunch in the first and third quarters, and not at all, and other stuff. Um, but they, they got to keep up with that group if they're going to win this game because the Heat bench is no slouch, and that's normally where they can, you know, at least maintain or or, or you know. The story of the game usually comes from some bench player fitting in with another lineup for the Pacers. But I think that's not impossible. You know, Butler, they don't really have a guy who can contain him. I think he's going to do a good job. But, uh, the, you know, they with starting two centers, they'll have someone who can keep Bam at least a little bit more at bay than the typical team. And Kendrick Nunn, they'll have guys for, you know, he's good and he's good at scoring, but they have smart defenders. He's not, like, so fast that he's going to totally kill you anywhere. Duncan Robinson can shoot, just stay home on him the whole time. Uh, if he beats you, he beats you. Like sometimes that'll happen with shooters. That's just how it is. These guys are amazing shooters, but stay home on him and just hope that doesn't happen. And Myers Leonard is just a shooter, right? He is shooting a ridiculous percentage from three, but only taking two a game. Uh, I think they're going to be willing to sag off of him to stop other options. So, uh, the, actually, I'm almost positive of that. You know, he'll be that guy that the that the Pacers Twitter says, "Oh, another random bad player killing the Pacers." Well, it's their strategy, kind of. Uh, banks on leaving these guys open, but I'm guessing they'll have a Sabonis on him, and Sabonis will kind of roam a little away from Myers Leonard. So they just don't have an answer for Jimmy, which is going to be the hard part. It's going to, I think they might try to send a little bit of Sabonis help off of uh, Myers to stop him, but uh, it's going to be hard. So if they can keep Jimmy Butler at at bay and neutralize him, I think they've got a shot to win this game. But uh, the, the Heat have good depth, and they're a pretty damn good basketball team this year. So it will not be easy. I think the home team will win every game of this Heat Pacers series, which would make a a uh, playoff series very interesting. But the Heat are really good; they're borderline top ten in both offensive and defensive rating. That's very hard to do. So we'll see. I'm taking Miami in a close one, um, but we will see. It should be a good one. So let's take one more break, and then we're going to talk about their Western Conference game the next night against the New Orleans Pelicans. So the Pelicans were supposed to be the Pacers' bad opponent this week. And I don't want to say the Pelicans are awesome. They are 9-23, and and their record is their record is what it is. And they're bottom 10 in both offensive and defensive rating. But they've won three of their last four games, uh, including a nice win over Denver on Christmas. I hope some of you were able to catch that game. It was great. I went over the Blazers and the Minnesota Timberwolves. No no slouch squads. Now, there are losses to the, play, the Golden State Warriors, who are a slouch squad. But three wins against good teams is interesting. And their injury report, like the Heats, pretty clean. You know, Darius, Darius Miller and Zion are their guys have been out. They've been out all year. Uh, the Pelicans might be a walking, sleeping giant here. They they finally got some guys healthy to, to be a good team. And they can, I think they can really start to, to round into form. Uh, and that all starts with Brandon Ingram, who, uh, with his upped usage by quite a bit, Brandon Ingram's usage rate this year, 29%. That's that's close to like Oladipo numbers when he's healthy. You know, they're really relying on Brandon Ingram, and he is coming through for them big time. He has been amazing this year, and I can't believe how little coverage this is getting because he was a, well, I do know the reason why, but like he was such a high-profile player before. Obviously, he was on the marquee team in the league, but... 25 points per game, 
uh, for Ingram this year. To pair with seven rebounds and four assists, over 40% shooting from three. He has been awesome. He can, you know, he, he's kind of gotten over that skinny frame he has and has, has put on enough girth and stock to be able to bounce and get to the rim, or he can still pull up uh, when he needs to, and he's a great spot of shooter. He always has been. So now he's kind of put it all together to be an offensive weapon, and his length's always made him okay on D. Brandon Ingram's a nice little nice little player now. In fact, he's good, good. Um, he's like the tier below all-star in the West. He's dangerous as a scorer. So uh, that's what that's what makes them go now. They don't have to, you know, they had AD before, but they don't have to just rely on Drew like I kind of thought they would on offense. And Drew's still been the master passer for them, although he and Lonzo both are averaging north of five assists per game. Uh, but Drew, he doesn't have to do everything. You know, like last year, I believe, when these guys played, that the, the Darren Collison saves the day game. Uh, it felt like Drew, I don't think he actually shot that one that game, but it felt like he was everywhere for that Pelicans team on offense. So uh, the fact that they have a guy who can ease the burden off of him, you know, he's taking more shots per game than Drew uh, Ingram is. So they they have a guy to ease the burden of their superstar, let him focus a little bit more on D, has to be huge for the Pelicans. But those two guys are the uh, the bread and butter of that basketball team. They're both just incredible. Drew, uh, ridiculously good defender, can get to the rim, can set up guys, can shoot a little when uh, on catch and shoots, not really good at creating his own shot. But he's been, him and Ingram together have been so good. I wish I pulled up their net rating together before the show. Uh, but they've been awesome. And another reason they've been awesome is they share the floor with a fantastic shooter who is inevitably going to do well named J.J. Redick. Uh, I mean, it feels lame to just roll through player by player, but that those three in a lineup together, you know, that's their one through three in their starters sometimes. Sometimes they'll, uh, they've had ball in that group. Sometimes they've started with Kenrick, Kenrick Williams. I can't talk today. Man, I'm very tired from my, all my Christmas travels. No one cares. About it. Uh, but anyway, those three have all fit really well together. Redick, of course, just shooting stupid, ridiculously good from three uh, on a sizable number of attempts. Uh, he's been exactly what they signed him to be. Help space out the floor, let their young guys injury do their thing. Uh, it's perfect for them, and they've been uh, they've been trying to let Josh Hart gun uh, from deep as well. So they're getting a lot of a lot of three point shots up. I think is a very interesting thing. They're fifth in the league in three point attempts per game, and their three point percentage is actually eighth. You know that's a lot of what their offense is, and a lot of uh, you know they're a good they're a better offense than they are a defensive team, which is actually surprising for a Drew Holiday led team. But it is what it is. They uh, are they are going to bomb all over the Pacers. Uh, where they struggle a little bit is getting to the line and hitting shots inside the arc. Uh, they don't have a ton of, like, burn-you-to-the-rim kind of guys. You know, I just kind of named their three guys. And like I said, with Ingram, he's getting better at that, and that's what made him more effective. But Drew isn't amazing at that. J.J. Redick will never do it. Neither will Lonzo. None of their bench guys are really awesome at it. So uh, Turner, uh, if, if he can deter the paint and force them into those mid-range shots, could be an easy analytics kind of win here for the Pacers because they don't have a ton of burn you to the rim kind of guys but what's helped this team recover from their slow start you know they've won three or four nine of 23 is a terrible record but you win you know five of your next seven all of a sudden you're 14 and 25 you know suddenly you're like okay this team is just like kind of bad not really bad um, a big reason for their uptick in success is they got Derek Favors back I think he had uh, like he got hurt and then had like a death in the family and then uh, finally came back. So he was away for a while and in the, he, he didn't play very much and he played under 20 minutes in his first two games back. And in the five games since he's played over 20 minutes and they've gone three and two and the two games he played over 30 minutes, they won both. 
Uh, he is very good. I think Derek Favors is a very good NBA player, uh, both because he's very smart. You know, he can be in the right spots a lot. Uh, he's a good defensive player as a result, and he's pretty big, but also because he's a really good finisher around the basket. You know, in these games, he's, he's shooting pretty well. In that stretch, since those two games where he played under 20 minutes, he's shooting 53% from the field. You know, Derek Favors is a good little player, and he sets really good screens. He helps with these young guys a lot. His rebounds have been uh, ridiculous. So they've gotten a lot from him, and I think that kind of shifts the calculus of this game. But again, I'm going back to Miles Turner because I'm staring at him in this game, if he can pull favors away at all. This is an interesting team, this um, this Pelicans team is, because I wonder how they're going to they're gonna match up with the Pacers. Because a lot of teams have been getting away with, oh, we'll just put our four on Turner and put our five on Sabonis inside. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense for a lot of teams. Uh, but on Christmas, for example, the Pelicans started favors, and then their four was Ingram. And I guess you'd want to try to put to put Ingram on, on Turner and keep him out there, but like, man, you, I don't know. I just, you're going to have to stop Sabonis somehow. I don't think they have a guy to do it. They might end up putting like Drew on him or something. I don't know. But they might be able to pull favors away from the rim either way. I mean, Sabonis operates in his space and crevices and does whatever he does to make the offense amazing. But anyway, Turner can pull someone uh, out, you know, one of their good defenders. I mean, pretty much their entire starting five outside of J.J. Redick is good defenders. And if he can deter them from their already poor finishing uh, and force them into mid-range shots, I think he can uh, just make this an analytics battle. The Pacers can win. So uh, I'm looking at Turner to make this game a good one because the Pels will shoot a lot. But other than that, they don't have a, like a, a great offensive game outside of just let Brandon Ingram do his thing. So I'm looking forward to this game. I'm looking forward to how the Pacers strategize against a team that kind of runs out some funky lineups and how they can, uh, of all people, to have to try to beat Derek Favors. Um, I'm curious how they... They try to slow down Derek Favors on both ends of the floor. Should be a fun uh, weekend of basketball. The Miami Heat game could end up being huge in the standings. They currently have 22 wins. The Pacers have 21. I don't have to do the math. You can do it right there. Nice and easy. Um, could be a first-round matchup preview. You know, basically every team, two through six, has like 20 to 23 wins in the East. So any of those teams could get matched up. It could be a, a tiebreaker for home court kind of game. It's going to be a big... Big-time stuff going on uh, for the Pacers this weekend. I think they will lose in Miami and win in New Orleans is my official prediction. Should be fun. Hope everybody had a great holiday, week, weekend, whatever uh, celebrations you were able to get in uh, and then spend some time with family. Me and Adam will hopefully be back Monday, though I will be traveling uh, this weekend to Michigan. So um, I may not be able to do a weekly show with him until Tuesday. We will see about that but thank you guys for listening this week again hope you enjoyed your holiday and hope you enjoy these two fantastically fun pacers games this weekend and we will see you next week